All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and I'm joined the day after Media Day, after Big East Media Day, with our good friend Marcus Washington from Making the Cut. Oh, man, Marcus, it's been a while, but let me think. It's on Twitter. He's a great Twitter follow. It is at MTC with Mook. Did I get that right? That is 150% correct, my man. Awesome, awesome. So I couldn't help but notice that based on you were, I think, photobombing or you were just at least part of one of the pictures that made the made Twitter, made the wire, I was like, wow, Marcus went up to Big East Media Day. Now I've got someone to talk to about what happened up there. So first of all, welcome back. And second of all, I got to say, I'm definitely jealous that you were able to go, I assume, in the same day up and back to MSG. Yeah, well, I did it a little bit different. Gen- generally, I do go up and back in the same day. Um, okay. This time, I went the night before. This is uh, very odd for me because usually I just do it all in a day. But um, as I'm starting to advance in age, I yeah. wanted to go ahead and sleep a little bit beforehand. So, no, it was great. and It was great to uh, be there. It was great to see people um, as opposed yeah. to doing a whole bunch of things on Zoom. So, yeah, it was uh, – I wish you were there. Yeah, I wish I could have made it as well. Uh, my schedule, I don't want to be one of those people that talks about myself, but I've definitely been, there's just been a lot going on over here. Um, making that wasn't in the cards for me. And back to you, I guess it does make sense because the event started really, really early. Usually for the Big East tournament, um, if you go up for the quarterfinals, it doesn't start until you know noon. But I want to say this started at maybe like nine o'clock. Yes, uh, Val hit the stage at at nine thirty, so it did okay. start in the morning. And then there was um, what the difference was then from previous years was the fact that each team took a turn doing a TV portion where it was accessible via Zoom. So instead of having the teams just there the entire time, which gives you these these. Uh, big uh big windows to do interviews teams would be there and then they'd leave go to a different room where there was a um more of a zoom meeting type of thing and then some of the teams came back after that but not all teams came back after that yeah i assume that was maybe because of covid or just because of what they thought might be a better way to do it but it sounds like you've been to previous big east media days i'm not sure I don't think I've actually ever been up. I've only been up to MSG for the end of the year celebration, which last year would have been one of the better years to go since Georgetown (laughs) cut down the nets without us there. It doesn't even seem fair, but that's what happened. So if you're listening to this, I assume you already know who's picked where, but let's go over it real quick. So the 21-22 preseason poll, which is picked by the coaches, that came out, Villanova won, to Paul last. That's kind of just the normal thing that you expect. Uh, Georgetown, which, as we I just said, the defending conference tournament champions, they were picked 10th. Okay, I guess that's not too surprising, but maybe a little surprising. There were no Hoyas on the first, second, or honorable mention teams. Not too surprising. I thought, I thought even for honorable mention, I thought you can, you know, Dante Harris the Big East most outstanding player from last year, I thought could have got the nod from that. There was a Harris, but it was Chuck Harris from Butler. Um, he's also a sophomore. He got an honorable mention. But the big news for Georgetown was 
you know, it just seems like, wow, they, 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 they ranked the highest incoming recruit as the biggest freshman of the year. And of course that is Aminu Muhammad who, you know, biggest freshman of the year, Georgetown's first five-star under Ewing first five-star in a while. That's a lot to live up to. Um, Patrick Ewing has obviously coached uh, James Akinjo to the, you know, biggest freshman of the year award after the season was over. So Aminu Muhammad is hoping to become either the eighth or the ninth freshman of the year for the Hoyas. I think it is the eighth, obviously Patrick Ewing himself, he won the award back in the day, back about 40 years ago, which makes us feel really old. So I got everything out. What was your take on where Georgetown was ranked? Were you thinking more middle of the pack, the 10th place ranking? And also, Marcus, I want to say that they probably voted on this before we found out that Trey King was not going to be a part of the team. Yeah, no, I was a little surprised that they were that low, to be honest with you. I, I thought... We all knew that they'd be ahead of DePaul. Honestly, I thought they would be ahead of Marquette and maybe mm-hmm. Creighton. So yeah, I was a little surprised. I was a little surprised by that. As far as uh, Muhammad and the preseason freshman of the year designation, I think that was the, the my big question yesterday, which is what Patrick Ewing do we get with the freshman? Do we get the James Akinjo, Mac McClung, Patrick Ewing, where he allows them to make mistakes, play heavy minutes, or do we get the one that we got the most recently where the freshman's minutes were uh, inconsistent at best? So in a way, I was kind of surprised in a way that Muhammad got that designation. Yeah, I think I think we were both not in love with the fact that Akinjo McClung seemed like they could do whatever they wanted and never come out. But I think it's all it's all based on what do you have, right? So Dante Harris is gonna, you know, play a ton of minutes in the backcourt. Donald Carey, who also was up there, Harris and Carey were the two Hoy representatives up at Madison Square Garden yesterday. Um, there wasn't really a lot to choose from if they have their no freshman to the media policy, let's be honest. I mean, you've basically got those two. <laughs> you've got Ego FA, uh, you've got, you know, Kobe Clark and Colin Holloway who didn't play a whole lot, and you've got Malcolm Wilson. Right. Like you don't have a lot of <laughs> if you're not bringing up Matumbo and Muhammad or, you know, Riley, um, you don't really have a lot of options there as far as who can physically go uh, within their parameters that the program is sticking to for whatever reason they want to do that. I would think that Muhammad, I would think Riley and Beard, I would think that they're going to get a lot of leeway. And you got to talk to Coach Ewing or at least, you know, be around when he, when, when he was talking and answering questions from other reporters, the one thing, and I know it's not going to change, and I was literally getting my son ready for bed last night as I was listening to some sound bites. Is and I know you got to be you, right? Like I'm me, you're you, Patrick's Patrick. I wish he would just gush a little bit about the freshmen and say, What well, we got some kids, man. You know, Aminu is you know tearing it up. Um, Jalen Billings is gonna surprise people, and you know, he said I, the things I heard him say, and I didn't listen to everything is, you know, the freshmen are, you know, they've got their good days, their bad days. They're going to have their moments. There's no, I don't think there's any negative to just, just be like, man, we're picked 10th. You guys see these freshmen I got. They are just, they are, they are balling. I asked them about the freshmen. I was, um, I got to play the the Bobby Bancroft uh, role yesterday. I <laughs> I got to be the first one to ask him awesome. questions. Awesome. And I did get to um, ask him about the freshmen and, Similar to what you said, um, his answer basically was, is, you know, it's still too early to tell what sort of roles that they will play. And I thought to myself, <sighs> we have so many, 
you have so many on the roster, they're going to have to play some roles, you know. But um, it was a little bit disappointing because, again, like yourself, I was hoping that he would almost be all in on them and do what you said. Just put yourself out there and say, you know what? Dadgummit, these guys are going to shock some people in this conference. We're not there yet. And that's what we're going to use the offseason for. But when we get the conference play, yeah, they're going to make some freshman mistakes. But, you know, I'm willing to ride with these guys. And I didn't get that. Um, I didn't get no. that impression yesterday. It was no. very close to the vest. And, hey, let's not have that many expectations for them because we know they're freshmen. It's like, come on, Patrick, live a little. You know, you give to. us something. Make us excited. And you have to because, like, you have no idea who's going to be back next year you know what i mean like this could be your whether it's because they're going pro or because everyone just transfers these days like i really think that there's there's more salesmanship to the job than there was even a while ago i mean you've always had your your you know your car salesman coaches right and i understand that that's not the georgetown way that's not how patrick ewing you know when he was part of the program you know and i i I get it like i said you got to be you but man, it just seems like such an opportunity to just make everyone feel good about that. Now, you know, and then you get back into practice and you say, look, I know you saw my quotes, you know, you guys are, you know, bleepity bleep bleeps, but you know what I mean? But like to the media, to everyone, it's like, look what I got. Like, I know we lost a lot of kids. We, we, we last time I was here, we cut down. Yeah. No one knew who I was. I had to show my ID. I got over it, but we, we cut the whole thing down and I've reloaded and I got some kids, man. I got some guys. I know he's not going to say that, but man, like I would love it if he did. <laughs> yeah, and I I wonder what sort of boost that would give the program just dealing with today's kid and today's recruit because Georgetown does have a lot to offer outside of basketball. You know, with the NILs, you're right yeah. outside the nation's capital. There's a ton of opportunities here. Even though I did find it interesting that McDermott told me yesterday he feels like a school like Creighton has an advantage because there's no professional teams out there when it comes to NILs, which was an interesting way of looking at it. But I feel like Georgetown has so much to offer that if Patrick went out there and he did that and he kind of just kind of hyped it up that other kids behind him be like, yeah, you know, Georgetown does have all of these things. And you just continue that momentum. But I will say this, I will give um, the program this much credit to have um, the people who have left in the numbers they have left over the last two seasons and still be able to put a recruiting class together like this one, I mean, that that's challenging. And, and Georgetown needs to be applauded for that. Now it's getting them out on the floor and getting them to be productive. Yeah, that's going to be, you know, you know, it's year five. You know, Patrick was, he played for four years. Now he's coached for four years. He's in his fifth year. You know, look, roster turnover isn't only happening at Georgetown, okay? But it definitely seems to happen at Georgetown a lot. Now, trying just, you know, everyone that didn't make it to Media Day, which was pretty much everyone listening to this, what was, like, one of the coolest things? Like, you you mentioned the different format. What was kind of cool to you as someone that's been to Media Day before? I thought it was cool that the coaches – really, really, really wanted to be there. And how many of them said they kind of missed the setting. And for some of the other coaches, you didn't get a lot of coaches speak. It was like they were just so happy to have people 
coming and asking them a standard question without talking to a TV screen that I thought some of them let their guards down yesterday. This is probably the best conversation I've ever had with Coach McDermott um, at Creighton. Cause he By the way, really wanted real to, quick, yeah, I, yeah. I can't believe he's still there, but continue. Yes, I know, I know. And maybe that's why he was nice to me. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but he was absolutely great. And um, I just felt like there was more appreciation for the roles that everyone played there just because we went through a year where that wasn't the case. And um, it made for um, a great setting and, and great quotes for the most part. And a lot of off, um, like off-camera conversations, um, you know, for those who have listened to this podcast, you know I'm a coach. And the idea that I got to talk to three coaches yesterday and we cut off the camera and we actually talked about, like, basketball, basketball, and how to reach high school kids and how to teach things and stuff. It was, um, for me, it was an awesome experience. I just felt like the the tenor in there was more of we're excited to be here and less of, oh, it's our job to be here. Well, that's good. So did you cover all of it? Were you just in Georgetown session? No, I was in Georgetown session. And then I bounced out. You know, of course, you know, you can never get to Villanova because there's like a million people. But um, I I spoke with uh, Xavier, Creighton, Marquette, because I really wanted to speak with Shaka. Uh, St. John's, this was the first time I was able to get St. John's. So I bounced around Cooley. You, we've had this discussion, how I feel about Ed Cooley. So, no, I, I bounced around to about six or seven teams yesterday, trying to get a feel on how uh, each coach felt about their situation. I thought Mike Anderson uh, feels good about what they have coming back at St. John's. I certainly felt like Shaka Smart had, gave off this air of such uncertainty at Marquette of what exactly they're going to be able to accomplish in his first year there. And have you gotten so used it to, was good to get Have you gotten used to his hair? No. <laughs> no. Me it's, neither. It's, 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 it's something else. That, you know, I don't, I don't want to be judgmental, but it is something else. But um, I was a little surprised because seeing him, especially at VCU, he always had this like air of confidence, like we can do everything, my system, da 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 da. And then yesterday, because of the turnover, we talked about the turnover at Georgetown, but the turnover at Marquette has been incredible with numbers. Um, that that air of confidence certainly uh, wasn't there. We thought we got a lot of wait and see from Patrick. You got a, a lot of wait and see because I honestly don't know from Shaka. So was there any coach that you were able to talk to that made you either feel better about their team and how they spoke, or did any coach there motivate you to run through a brick wall? Mike Anderson, hands down. Um, okay. Sold me on St. John's and then yeah. sold me on at the age of 51 that I would want to play with St. John's, even though I would break down in the first 15 seconds of being on the floor. Uh, he That's was awesome. great. And, That's awesome. Uh, um, he talked about, uh, trust and we as coaches always talk about trust between coaches and and players mike anderson spoke about trust among players and players and how he develops that trust and why that trust with the players is so important and how coaches you know ultimately should support 
that trust and how he supports that trust. And I'm telling you, man, it was the greatest. It's one of the best conversations I've had with a coach because, one, it was genuine. And, two, it was things that you could take in basketball, without basketball, and you got really a window in why kids love to play for him and somewhat why he's successful, I believe, and please correct me if I'm wrong, he's never been below 500 as a coach in his career. Yeah, I think that's a little bit of an oddity too, right? Because didn't the – so the game – I think the game saved him – Oh no no! It was when they when they beat Georgetown in basically one of the last college games of the 2019-20 season. Georgetown blew a big lead. I want to, yeah. and they came back. And I think that was the game where if they had lost that, then they maybe could have finished under. But yes, I, he has an unbelievable coaching record. And when they hired him, I felt like, wow, St. John's hired an adult. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was the one coach that um, certainly made an impression on me of thinking that that team might be better than what um what I thought and it gave me an insight on again why kids um like you know why they like playing for him and what his strategy is at St. John's to at least continue to progress forward. I mean the other coaches I spoke to, I mean Ed Cooley is Ed Cooley. Um he Providence will probably be Providence and I think we've had some this discussion before. Um they're gonna win games that you're going to be like, oh, okay, you know, they're, they should be put in a different category. Then they're going to turn around, they're lose games, and you're just going to be like, you know, what the heck, man? You know, how do you how do you lose to that opponent um, on a random Thursday night or whatever the case may be? But, no, St. John's made the biggest impression on me yesterday. The flip side of that, was there, after speaking to these coaches and, or, you know, the players are just being around a certain program, was there any – Anything that, you know, uh, I don't know about that team. I might, I might have them slotted a little bit lower than I was thinking. Is there anyone that gave off the, the you know, no confidence vibe? Well, you know, like I said, Marquette definitely did. And somewhat Creighton. I, I always have confidence in Creighton because I love the things that they do on offense. Yeah. But just speaking um, yesterday to McDermott, it maybe I'm overselling them. Maybe I'm thinking – of a Creighton that does not exist this season. And he did, you know, he did lose, um, you know, lose some players there um, either to the NBA or, or the transfer. So probably Creighton and Marquette might be the two teams that I thought more of um, coming in than when I left out. Yeah. For me, I feel like Butler is getting a lot of credit for everybody coming back, but <laughs> they're bringing back everyone from a bad team. You know what I mean? And I know in high school and college sports, it's all about growing and getting better. It's not like, you know, if you're the Sacramento Kings, you're bringing everyone back. Well, it's like, well, you know, it's this isn't really great for you. So, I, you know, I have to respect the idea that teams in college do get better. But that's the one team that I'm just surprised a little bit. I mean, really the whole bottom half of the league. And I'm a little bit probably... I don't think DePaul is necessarily like the DePaul that you just slot in to the 11th place. I mean, I think contenders for that spot would, you know, would include Georgetown. I think Marquette, I think Creighton, probably not Providence, but I think Butler, I think all those teams are right there. I think there's a clear top half of the league with Villanova, Connecticut, St. John's savior, I guess, even though I have a little bit of a problem with them, but I really think, I think, 
I think, you know, eight through 11, I really think could kind of flip around based on, you know, just fitting into all the new pieces, you know, I mean, literally on the Big East press release, okay, it's, you know, each team has a couple lines. And from Marquette, it says transfers and recruits will have opportunities to help right away. That's like the nicest way of saying playing time's available because we have no idea who's going to get it. You, you know what I mean? And I, and I, I think yeah. you could say you could say that about Georgetown too, right? Hey, there's a great opportunity for freshmen. Why? Because pretty much no one came back that played. You know, like let's just be honest. And uh, so oh. I, I don't think Georgetown's the only team in that boat is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and I think that you could have put uh, yesterday into three categories. You know, obviously – Villanova and UConn, head and shoulders, everyone thinks it's the class of the Big East. And I would even say St. John's and Xavier would be in that next tier. And I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say the rest of the teams you could throw into a pot. Because I do think the rest of the teams, when they play each other, it's going to be what you get on that individual night is who's going to win that game. So I could see Georgetown beating a Butler and then Seton Hall, you know, losing the Butler by 20. But then maybe Seton Hall beating Georgetown that weekend by nine. I think we're going to see a lot of that in that third tier of the Big East Conference. It's going to be depending on what you get on that particular day. Now, in looking over, so Big East preseason player of the year is Colin Gillespie, who, you know, because he got injured late because of the COVID rules about coming back, you know, that's kind of like a big lifeline, not lifeline because they wouldn't have been terrible without him, but what a boost for Jay Wright and Villanova. Okay. Uh, we mentioned Muhammad as the freshman of the year. And let me just read off to the all biggies first team. And I want your, your opinion on like, who do you think is a pro? And by pro, I mean an NBA player that's going to play a couple of seasons. So we've got Nate Watson, who probably, you know, Kudus Wahab may have given him a run for the money for that for that spot. Um, Julian Champagne, uh, Jared Roden, Paul Scruggs, Zach Fremantle. You know, I saw a stat the other day, and I don't have it in front of me, of the conferences represented in the NBA, and the Big East was at the bottom. Um, you know, it has been a Villanova-heavy uh, presence as far as, you know, team success in the new Big East, which is why it's great Connecticut's back. But, you know, let's be honest, right? You know, a lot of fans wanted, you know, Jamarco Pickett to come back. And I thought there was no way because I think he turns 24 uh, this winter, okay, which is very old for a college player. But also, I always knew that he had a chance to play in the NBA. And it looks like that's going to happen. Colin Gillespie, I don't think, is an NBA player. Now, by saying that, I probably just cemented a 12-year career, right? But you know what I mean? Like, he came back to Villanova because why? He's not a pro. You know, and do you yeah. see any pros on that All Big East first team? It's probably the kid from St. John's, right? Yeah, I was going to say uh, maybe him. I think Watson and Scruggs are uh, definitely G League candidates. Yeah. But I think that might be the only one. And I'll look down to the second team, and I think that Samuels from Villanova is the only one on that group. I don't see a bunch of NBA players like night in, night out NBA players on either the first team or the second team, all Big East. Uh, again, uh, maybe a handful of G G guys, or at least they're going to start out in G, but no one who jumps off that that paper and says, hey, look, 
man, this guy is going to get to the NBA and I'll uh, be taken in the top 20. Not, not at all. And I think that's what's so interesting about Muhammad, right? Because, look, I haven't watched him play. I haven't seen him play live. I've seen some stuff on YouTube, but that's not real, in my opinion. Like, I need to see a kid at least three times, I think, is the rule, right? So yep. I know that there's probably a lot of hope with, you know, him and his family um, and all that stuff. And, you know, he comes in as a great athlete. Apparently, he loves he loves to scrap it up. He likes to play defense, which this program sorely has been missing for – I can't even count that high, you know? But – uh you know, he might be a candidate. I don't know. I don't know what other, you know, great freshmen have come into the league, but I don't see it as a league that has a lot of NBA guys that have that we've that are already known commodities. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, there's no doubt. And I think we're starting to get that with college basketball um, as a whole, with the exception of, you know, the handful of programs, the Dukes and Kentuckys, you know, we get that, that they're the exception to the rule. But I've said this for years. I think college basketball is, quickly moving back to seeing guys there um, two and three and sometimes four years. And uh, part of that is because uh, the NCAA loosening up the the rules on transferring. And I think part of it is, is that the NBA has gotten to the point with how well it's recruiting also internationally, that kids are smart enough to understand that if they want to go to the NBA, uh, the whole one and done is is starting to get very very limited, and even some of the guys who would have been one and done or no one no none and done previously, they're starting out in G League. That's what G League at night is. So I think what it's doing is it's pushing kids back. I think that helps the NBA because obviously you get more experienced kids. But um, as far as these conferences, I think it helps the fans too because. Now, I, I'm not this way, but a lot of fans say, well, I don't know the player. You know, you do get to know the players now because they are staying, even the ones that are hyped up as, oh, this kid's going to be one and done. And then you find out that kid's coming back to school because um, he starts to realize um, either because he went to the NBA process and they gave him feedback or whatever the case may be, he starts to realize that, yeah, the next level, I'm not at that next level yet. So, um I think we could have this conversation with some other conferences too, but definitely the Big East where I think that's part of the reason why we're in for an interesting season is because outside of the teams like Georgetown and you can talk about Marquette, the, the conference do have guys who are going to be three and four year guys. Now, speaking of a guy that's near and dear to everyone's heart, a four year guy, Jamarco Pickett, you know, it's looking like he's, you know, he's got a two-way deal with the Pistons. You know, it's an unbelievable story, except that it's totally believable. When he came in, he was all Big East freshman. He, when you look at him, he looks like an NBA player, right? The fact that he can shoot, he got better as a defender. What did you think about him as far as, you know, once your season was over, the loss to Colorado, did you think he was going to come back at all? I can't remember if we talked about this. We probably did. And what did you think his pro prospects were? I didn't think he was going to come back because he just fits the three and D um, of the NBA. He plays a specific role. You know, you can bring up like a Tayshawn Prince type of type of guy. Um, I always thought that he would be someone who would get a look from the NBA because of his skill set and how he's built. And it's kind of a testament to how different the game is on this level of what the college game looks for and what the NBA game looks for. And he's one of those ones that probably 
by the time he got to his junior year, fit in more from an NBA perspective than a college perspective, which is why um, I got away from, you know, really, really looking at his numbers from a college from a college angle and look more of what skill set he brings that is transferable to the next level. And then when you looked at it that way, it's like, oh, no, I could see Jamarco getting a hard look from the NBA and, and sticking on with someone because he had the skill set that the NBA is looking for, which didn't necessarily transfer into these huge numbers on the collegiate level. Yeah, and it was such an interesting path because when he came in, you know, Patrick had just been hired. There wasn't a lot of turnover, but it was also a roster that needed some help, right? That's why JT3 went away. Things weren't going that well. And, you know, Tremont Waters decided not to come. And there was a lot of playing time. And him and Javon Blair got a lot of playing time. And they both ended up on the first team. Uh, well, I guess it's only there's only one team. They both ended up as all Big East freshmen, okay? And we mentioned it when this podcast started, James and Mac showed up and, you know, you want to go online and check out Jamarco and Javon Blair's um, contributions as a sophomore. It took a really big hit because two just complete ball hogs showed up. Okay. And uh, so, you know, I think the fact that Blair and Pickett stayed and then we all know what happened that next year when they were juniors, James decided to leave after a couple games, McClung was hurt and they both, you know, they both became bigger parts of the team. Now, I, I said this, um, I think it was with Andrew, uh, Mr. Casual Hoya was on. I compared Jamarco to Don Reed. And give me a second before you hit me over the head with a hammer. And what I'm, what I'm trying to do here is, and maybe you can think of a better Hoya. I was trying to think of a Hoya that ended up in the NBA that... I would say never really had a significant effect on wins and losses. Now, Jamarco did it, or yeah, Jamarco did it at the end. He was incredible in the Big East tournament. They won that tournament. You know, Don Reed came in, you know, he barely played as a freshman. He was a local kid. He barely played. I think he was a freshman when Alonzo was a senior. And he got better every year. And he ended up, you know, carving out a nice career in the pros, I think maybe six, seven, eight years. And so, like I said, they don't have similar games. Don Reed couldn't shoot you know, uh, complete, completely different players. But as far as most of, in, most of the NBA Hoya guys are guys, in my opinion, that had significant effects on wins and losses over their entire career. And I don't really think Jamarco did. And by that, I mean, it wasn't like, look, we need Jamarco to go for 20 tonight. We got no chance. That was never his role here. And it was never Don Reed's role. So can you think of another NBA Hoya that kind of had a role like that? Like I said, I think it's Don Reed even though their games are completely different? Ooh, that's a darn good question. Um, ooh. No, I think Don Reed, what do you think, what if someone said, uh, Boomche, Boomche, would you, would you push back on that? That's interesting. Yeah, I think Boomche was in the league for three, three or so years. Um, yeah. Yeah. Similar, because I think around that time they had Wesley Wilson. Um, did he play with Sweetney at all? Or was he just before Sweetney? But yeah, mm, I think... Yeah. Yeah. Boomche Boomche is someone that made the league. Boomche Boomche got, got drafted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but to your point, no, I think I think your comparison is very fair. Um, 
I just I like Jamarco, and I I try not to use these terms of I like this player. I like the I've liked him from the day one when he when he got here, and I've always given him credit for the fact that his role was he was asked to change his role several times. Yes, um, during didn't leave. his and didn't leave. Yes, and that's what I was about to say. In an era where people leave, I mean, instantly get up and leave, he didn't leave. And, you know, even though I'm the type, I think you know me well enough, I don't get heartburn over people leaving. There is a just a piece of me that just has this admiration for him because he didn't leave. And yeah. you know what? He embraced the whole thing, and he stayed here until the end. And And... You know, it just makes me root for him, and 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 I'm happy that he did that. I think it helped him get in the NBA too, and so I'm glad that, in a sense, it's almost like he's being rewarded by not just jumping up and running somewhere else. Yeah, no, I think both him and Javon are just are just great stories. What do you think about the quotes that have been out there coming out of Detroit? You know, uh, both the coach and Jamarcos. You know you know, giving compliments to Patrick Ewing and the way that he's run a program and the kind of stuff that they do. You know, Jamarco said things like, you know, we prepare like we're in the NBA every day. You know, I think that those quotes are great. And I'm hoping that they lead to people looking at those quotes and, you know, looking at Jamarco, looking at Yurt Seven, who's now on the heat, kind of in the same situation. Actually, he might just be on a regular deal. I'm not sure he's even on a two-way deal. But, um, how important do you think that stuff is? And, you know, just what's, what's your take on all those quotes flying around? Well, I think that if you are going to run with the big dogs, meaning you want to compete for those four or five star, those quotes are, I mean, those quotes, quotes are incredible. And I always have the feeling, like I said, looking at the skill set over the numbers, are you getting the skill set that you know that are applicable to the NBA for the Detroit Pistons and Jamarco to say firsthand, these guys are coming here prepared. Let's forget where they were drafted or whether they were undrafted free agents, whatever. These guys are coming to the league prepared. So now if I'm a four or five star, that's probably what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a program that's going to prepare me for the next level, whether I'm here for one year, whether I'm here for three years. So I think that really helps Georgetown out a lot that you're having guys that the the next recruiting class are paying attention to staying those things because there are other programs that you're competing with that cannot say those things. Now they might say, Hey, we go to the NCAA tournament every year, or, you know, we get to that, but they cannot say, Hey, what we do here is applicable to the next level, at least up on the upper tiers. And and sounds like to me that people are feeling like Georgetown is doing those those things that help you out to get to that level. Now, look, we're going to talk a bunch. The Kente Corner is going to heat up here. I'm sure I'll talk on your on your podcast. But uh, so I don't need you to make a million predictions, but just getting to the, the, the NBA part and, you know, getting guys through and it matters, right? It matters to send guys to the pros. That being said, Georgetown finally gets a five-star yesterday. He was tapped on the shoulder as, you know, big East freshman of the season. 
Okay. Good or a bad thing if he plays for Georgetown as a sophomore in terms of program, perception, everything. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's kind of a, it's, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I think it's a tough question to answer, but I, that's why I have you here. Well, I think it's actually a good thing, and I'll tell you why. I think okay. if he was at Kentucky, it's a bad thing. Okay. Because Kentucky's 100% calling card is you're only here for a year because I'm already recruiting the next guy to take your roster spot. And Georgetown does not necessarily have that reputation. So I think him being here for two years, especially coming from, and this is nothing against Calipari, but if it comes from Patrick Ewing that, look, we're doing everything to prep you for the NBA, you need one more year, I think that means something different than if it's coming from uh, someone like Calipari where it will be viewed as negative or another coach where they really don't put guys in the NBA. I think coming from Ewing, the respect is going to be there. Like, if he's telling me this, then I probably do need one more year to get there. And he, unlike Kentucky, He's not recruiting over me. So if I come here for one more year, I don't have to worry about if he's made promises to the next five-star. And I think that's where that trust comes in and what Georgetown represents. So I actually don't think it would be a negative if it takes him two years to get to the NBA as opposed to one. I completely agree. I think the fact that I'm even asking that question is a bit ridiculous for me but i think that there is this perception of like if you're a five star and you're not a one and done how has the program failed you you know and i'm not saying that that's that that's a legitimate take but it's it's a common take yes it is it is and it's something that we've tried to um undo on the high score on the high school level um this idea that you're putting this pressure on yourself to say that I should only be here for a year when in reality, because again, the change in scope of the NBA, and I do think that part of it is the G League being there um, as a as a true development wing, that the whole one and done thing um, continues to fade. And I don't think that we're going to see a change in that anytime soon. I, I do think that from college, to the NBA, it's going to be tough. If you want to be a one and done, you better be one of the guys who is offered a contract by the G League at night. But it's going to become progressively tougher to do it in college. And I understand Cade Cunningham, but but Cade Cunningham turned down a contract from the uh, from the G League and decided to go to Oklahoma State. I'm not going to go into you know how I felt about that because it's, it's not for me to feel anyway when you hire his brother. Um, but um, yeah. But um, I, I don't think we're going to see it in most spots either. You're going to see a lot of five stars stay longer, even if it is one year longer. Okay. And then one last question to Marcus Washington here before I get you out of here. And I'll I'll give my response first so you have a chance to think about it. What do you think is best um, I'll, I'll say it a different way. What would be the best thing to happen for Georgetown this year? I mean, that could obviously be, you know, winning the national championship. You know, you, that, that'd be like the highest thing that could possibly happen. Um, what would be successful Georgetown season in your mind? I'll tell you mine. and You can think about it for a second. For me, it is 
bring back most of your team for 22-23. You know, like you know, it seemed like in year three, Patrick had what I would say is definitely a tournament team, right? They fell apart. They didn't make it. They tried hard. Allen, Mosley, you know, everyone was working really hard. They fell short. And as you said a little bit ago, they, to recover, you know, and ha- put this class together has been a, has just been a great job, right? But I think if every year you're scrambling to figure out, like, who on this team do I know? And it that's just a lot to ask. It's a lot to ask of the staff to get everyone ready. It's a lot to ask of the fan base to care, quite frankly, okay? And I, I think, you know, this team is, you know, look, they're picked 10th, okay? They could wildly surpass their expectations by finishing fifth or something, right? And, you know, be on the bubble. And it'd be great if they made the tournament. Everybody would love it. Going to the tournament's a big deal. But for me, I think, you know, the best thing, and it sounds very, you know, small town, like high school. I just want everyone to try and do good. You know, I, I just think that if they have a, you know, if they get better as the season goes on, but they just bring back most of the team, such a big deal. So what what, what do you think is the best thing that can come out of the season for you? And you can definitely say a variation of what I just said. Because it's it's well, probably pretty I, it's it's probably a pretty obvious answer. Yeah, stability is one of them, and you're right. I just don't think even with the transfer portal, I just don't think you can continuously start from scratch every year. Uh, especially from my previous conversation, especially when you're seeing a record number of of high quality kids actually stay in school. So you're right. Stability is one for me. It is to have a solid regular season. The run last year was great. It was great to have that run. But for Georgetown, the night in, night out, um, have a solid regular season with different contributors, something that says, okay, it's not just this one person or it's not just these two people, that this team is growing and that the freshmen are progressing. And maybe one night it's one player. Maybe another night it's another player. And they win in different fashion. It's a shootout with St. John's. You win 88-85. It's one of those grind them out with Butler, and you win 57-53. It's those type of things I would like to see out of this program because this program really wants to move to being back in the upper echelon of the conference. They're going to have to figure out different ways to win. And and part of it is, is how Patrick coaches. It's unlike how um, Jay Wright does. Jay Wright, you can do the, they run that daggum 1-4 uh, with the slots and the wings. He can do it all the time. They're, they know they're going to get X amount of points per game and so on and so forth. Georgetown has not shown that. Georgetown has to have the versatility to win games in different fashions. If they can do that with a young team and then in the second half of the Big E season be better than the first half, of the Big East season, then we've seen the progress of the program. That, I think, will lead to stability in the things that you are speaking about of not having to relearn the roster after this season because of transfers or what have you. And, and you know, I think that that stability then will lead to the next recruiting class, which will lead to the next recruiting class. And now, you know, you're Villanova, and now you're UConn. And you're those teams then, because that's how they've done it. They've done it by they have a calling card. This is what we do. 
We do have stability. Yes, we do lose some kids early. We do do that. But for the most part, we have stability here, and we have a culture that's well-established. And when that gets there, if Georgetown can get there, it needs to start this season. We haven't seen it in the first four years. But if this can start this season with this freshman class, then I think we're looking at Patrick Ewan really uh, pushing the program to the next tier. And then those things, those other things that we talk about, will start to take care of itself. That would be good. The season's a little bit less. I got what got three weeks now. Three weeks. I was going to say less than a month, but I think it's, we can even say it's three weeks away. Georgetown basketball. I don't necessarily know if we know what the media setup's going to be like. I don't know if that was mentioned yesterday, but um, definitely excited to be back to be back live with Georgetown basketball. And that means I get to yeah. see you probably at least you know at least fifteen or so or so times a season there. Um, yep. aside from other spots, uh, George Mason, I'm not going to find out a way to get to Maryland. That's, that's kind of your job, but, um, yeah, <laughs> it's great, man. College basketball. Yep. It's great. It's great. Um, Oh, real quick. what do you think about the rings? They were incredible, dude. I was not <laughs> expecting that. I was not <laughs> expecting that. And I was standing there and this is before, um, Patrick got there. So it was just, um, uh, Carrie and Harris. And I said, can, you know, can I take a look at your rings? And they both, you know, stuck their finger out with the ring on it. I'm like, my goodness, man. My goodness, these are awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I get those insured. What is it, Lloyd's of London? Get those get those yeah. insured. It looked like a Super Bowl ring, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it came across in the pictures as just being like, yeah, they won something, that's for sure. <laughs> yo, yo. Well, I want to thank everyone. For listening to Kente Corner, you can find us everywhere you get your pods. Make sure to subscribe, to like, leave a comment. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you want to hear. Marcus is at MTC with Mook, and he's going to be on a lot during the season. I'm not sure exactly. I'll have to talk about it. You know, from not going to the games, I actually really liked the format we had. It was like, boom, you go to the game. Or, I'm sorry, boom, you watch the game. I, I, I would run upstairs do the zoom. And then we would talk about what we just saw. So I got to figure yeah. out how, how that's going to happen. If, if we're going to games again, I don't know. I'll yeah. figure it out. All right, Marcus, um, everyone follow him. You can get all of your takes on the Raiders. They have a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of Raiders information <laughs> on Marcus's feed right now. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until next time. Yeah.